Hello again, Princeton hockey fans. Welcome back. It is Princeton Hockey Talk presented by First Bank. I'm your host, Chaz Dorman, joined by a multitude of guests this week, including men's head coach Ron Fogarty, the women's head coach Kara Mori, senior captain on the men's team, Liam Gorman, and Kate Monahan from the women's team. We got a jam-packed show because it's a jam-packed week at Baker Rink, the 100th anniversary, the 100 years of Hobie Baker Rink celebration Friday and Saturday with pair games from both teams at the rink. And there's a lot going on around our great historic barn. We're excited to talk a lot about it. First, let's bring in the men's head coach, fresh off a whirlwind trip to Colorado and, and getting the boys back at it for the 2023 portion of the season. Ron, welcome to the show. It's good to uh, kick it off with you here, Chaz, in uh, 2023. And really looking forward to uh, to Friday and Saturday to see uh, a, a, a great amount of uh, alums in the stands and uh, you know, the Stanley Cup on site. And uh, we finally got the, the retro jerseys in, so it's going to be fun. And But uh, we got to make sure we take care of uh, business between uh, 7 and 9.15 p.m. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. When I talked to Gorms just a few minutes ago and and talking to Kara too about this, like throughout the course of the the process of putting this show together, it's like there's a big weekend. It's a lot going on. It's fun, but it's also each night really important points at stake for for teams trying to to jockey for position inside the ECAC. And so for for your group, right? Let's start there. Let's start on the ice. We'll get to the fun stuff in a little bit. But like you know, where you're at in the ECAC standings coming into this this part of the season is you know in that top top half top third even like you know like kind of give us a status update of, of where you think the, the guys in the group are at and then like how important it's going to be to maintain that and improve upon that like status and effort throughout the course of the rest of the part of the season I, I think the the younger guys have come a long way and uh, we've changed a lot of our, our structure and systems as we discussed in previous podcasts um, you know coming off the break and um, you know the, the the first day of traveling to Colorado was a, a little Unique with the delays and then uh, a quick 15-minute skate from our two-hour ice slot because we got in, uh, as I said, late. But then again to see, um, you know, the Kings play the Avalanche up back up in Denver. So there's a little travel involved with our first day there. And uh, I don't think we were mentally sharp. You know, there's some mental mistakes we made uh, in the 7-2 loss. But uh, I loved our resil- resiliency and our bounce back. And we played to what we were playing at uh, with our standard you know, those four games before, even five games before, and then uh, to come out with a 2-1 victory, our guys deserve that win. And we did a lot of things well. Um, and we were shorthanded for about seven minutes uh, in the first period, and we uh, only gave up one shot. And uh, we held them to three shots in the first period. Um, but uh, one of our points of emphasis coming out of that weekend was, again, just uh, staying out of the penalty box. Uh, that's kind of been a reoccurring theme that uh, with things that we can't control, but uh, where we're at right now is um, is really good. We're heading into the second half of the season, and we're, you know, we 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 play a little bit more games than other teams, but we won those games. So it's not like we're trying to chase, and uh, everyone has to play each other still one more time. Um, but uh, the the group is really um, come together, and where we're not focusing with our pre scouts much of what other teams are doing, but really concentrating what we need to do to be successful in those games. Take um take the listeners and, and me uh, through like the process. So a really tight turnaround from Friday night to Saturday, and especially coming off of that the loss, right? Cause not only was it just a, a game the next day, but it was three hours earlier. So there's less time to maybe 
adjust, prepare, recuperate, all those things that go into maximizing the the opportunities of, of a two-game weekend. So like that process, because from where I was observing over the course of travel, like, you know, everyone's working hard. Like the players kind of wash it away pretty quick, it seems like on Friday, and then you guys come back on Saturday and, and lay out what needs to be adjusted and showing why and, and really, you know, getting everyone through it in a, in a really special way. It was kind of to watch it. And then to see those things then executed upon was pretty cool for me. I can only imagine what it felt like for you and, and Tommy and Shane and, and Vinny to have laid out something and then see everybody buy in and execute to to the tune of a win. Well, we, we've been uh, very consistent with following games and what um, our processes and procedures are of, um, you know, little checks and balances for our forwards and defense. So we, we, we separate our forwards. They have a meeting, a defense of a meeting, and then we go over our, our checklist of what our goals were for the game and, and what, uh, uh, if we passed or failed uh, th- those um, areas of, of the game. And then we come together and, and watch video of what we did or did not do well that, uh, you know, in, in certain areas we could have been better. And that's done early in the morning right after breakfast. And then we turn the page and flip it over. And then we just revisit around our pregame meal of what we need to do to be successful and what we need to do to deserve the win. So there, there was a lot of things that we didn't see, um, you know, through the course of the, the first half that, that popped up uh, from that seven to two loss. And I attribute just to mental. It was a very quick turnaround and we were traveling a lot and then traveled within the travel in, in Colorado, going up, watch the, uh, the avalanche game, but our, our four check wasn't, as crisp it has been, and that's been our our, uh, our kind of our go-to is is how aggressive we have been forechecking to create turnovers and utilizing our speed. Uh, but we gave up uh, a lot of middle ice to Colorado, and and that's been our our staple as well of ice markings of keeping teams outside of the dots and controlling uh, the middle of the the rink. So I, I knew from what coming into the Colorado uh, weekend of how we were playing, I really liked it. And so just almost like revisiting or um, just going back and and showing guys how we've been successful on that Saturday morning um, and utilize a little bit of our playbook and, and show them what we have and, and why it, we have been successful with it. And and the guys, as you said, they, they bounced back and refocused. And it was uh, great to see uh, the style of our play compared to an NCHA team. And we are successful. And, you know, on Saturday night, one, kind of one of the cool moments, I think, for our fans and, and followers of the program was seeing Nick Carabin get his first goal. Uh, you know, he was he was really celebratory, and, and you can see he was really excited as a, a junior defenseman, you know, to finally hit the back of the net. And so, like, you know, for you as a coach, and, and right, just to, like, see someone like that who does pretty much, like, everything you ask of him, you know, plays a pretty solid game and, and very responsible defensively and, and all those things to then come through with a huge goal to give us the lead you know, in that third period and, and kind of put some positivity, like, right, playing while you're doing everything right, but now to get that lead and get rewarded for it, like, was was pretty special to see. Nicky's uh, been a strong defensive defenseman for us. He did on the penalty kill, and we asked him uh, in a couple of games this year to jump up on the power play, and he's done a tremendous job. He picked up a couple assists in one game on the power play. And uh, he was an offensive defenseman um, in his uh, AAA days and, and junior days, and but He's very well-rounded. He, he's always done what is asked of him um, and what is needed. 
and to see him score his first goal, I know the bench uh, was very excited and it came at a great time for us and just put a puck on that. And it was a great faceoff uh, win by Spencer, who's, who's done a really good job on the faceoff nationally with his percentages. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, 55% or better is pretty good. And he's rolling at a 61% uh, winning percent right now. So to gain that possession off draws and creating chances off of faceoff wins are, are pretty critical. And Nikki cashed in and it was great to see him and, He's had a, a pretty fun week in practice. He's been jumping up in every play now. So maybe that's going to open up some of the floodgates for Nicky. Yeah, he's he's looking for for the puck a little bit more. But, you know, I think maybe that speaks a little bit to the where the team's at right now. I think there's a the well-roundedness. The, there's, you know, Pito Walton, defenseman, leads the team in scoring. You know, and and there's, you know, Noah Del Durante seems to find timely goals uh, on a regular basis and chipping in on the power play and, and then you start to bring some of these other guys in, you know, with one of which, you know, I think is, is something to talk about too, is the return of David Ma. And, you know, it's going to take him maybe a little bit to, to fully get his game sense going, but you, you watch, you know, people watched last year and saw the two games over the weekend, like the puck possession driver from the back end, like how does that, you know, filter into what you're trying to do as a style to, to generate offense from all areas. Well, we're not exerting as much energy in our defensive zone by going up and back. We're, we're getting north very quick and the quickest we have been in my time here since 2014. So our, our defense are just moving it quick. Our wingers are working together to uh, break pucks out from the boards and rims, which has allowed our defense to be more mobile and create chaos in the offensive zone. And and, and Pito loves to dive in and look for spaces and seams. And and uh, so does a player like David Ma, who, as you indicated, is back in the lineup. So when you're spending less time with touches and possession in your defensive zone and getting it back to the forwards quick as possible and let them get up ice, it allows our D to uh, be more active. And, and we're seeing a lot of that. And the, the other part that uh, I think you started uh, to mention, Chaz, is that all four lines are looking the same now. So everyone's responsibilities are are, uh, are solidified and, and guys know how to play within the structure and system. And then the guys can uh, add to it with their skills and, and their offensive flair, but uh, it's starting to look the same that you can insert guys into the lineup. And we have a couple injuries here for this weekend. We're going to have to make some changes, but uh, everyone's bought in hundred percent through communication and collaboration with our staff and with the players. So you know, that, that's kind of something where, um, you know, th that is our culture. A lot, of, a lot of teams and people say team first, but when we look at what our team is, it is collaboration and communication. And it's been very consistent from day one. And I, I believe that's that's where our successes uh, stem from this year. And you know, it's good that you brought that up because like the, our guest this week from from the player side of things, Liam Gorman spoke about that when we just just got done interviewing him, and you know about how the the communication and the culture and the and the accountability is just really at an all a pretty good peak right now for for the team, and that's how it helps with things like a quick turnaround after after a tough result, and you know how that's kind of the expectation now is to wash it deal with it, talk about it, you know, address it and, and get better and and not really care how it gets better, just get better. And, and you know, so it was really good to hear him talk about that. And then for you as a coach to hear your captains maybe mimicking that message, believing in that message that you guys are putting forward and then everyone's building together. And it's not just this is the, mind, the mindset of the coach, it's the mindset of the team. So, like, you know, for you to hear your captains start to be be at that leadership level for you it, at the midway point of a season like what's that mean about where the direction of the, of the room and the and the boys inside of it are going well with the, with the leadership group with those three captains and Aiden Porter and Matt Hyammy we, we meet every week 
and we discuss a lot of things, you know, to travel and, and to, um, you know, prep uh, and then to our systems and structure. And we bring other players in as well. So it's, it's a lot easier. And then when you see it on the ice, the players know exactly if they made a mistake or something went well and there's becomes predictability and accountability, but it, it's been great. And just coming off of, um, you know, COVID break, you know, it, it's easy to see that the players, you know, want to uh, have value and be valued. You know, and, and so by bringing players in and and if things don't work well, we we ask and, you know, see what they had a sense of on the ice, what's working for them. And, you know, they're at the ground level of the game and, and trying to figure, you know, plays out quicker. So the more they know what's exactly expected of them and, and when they have uh, some input, it's easier for the, for the, the flow to, to work uh, with the coaching part of it. And um, so it, it doesn't surprise me that we're on the same message with with um, with all 25 guys, because we are always you know, speaking and talking and coercing and collaborating. And it just makes uh, it a lot easier to, to coach and to be coached. And, you know, one last thing, I think talking about coaching and being coached, Gorms brought this up and I think I don't want to get your take. I want to get your take on him and his development as a player here. Cause he spoke about how, when he was a freshman, he came in and maybe wasn't totally used to structure, you know, in, in organization and he came from a very skilled team. And a lot of it was just like, do what you need, right? And then the structure took him a while to adjust to that. He feels pretty comfortable in that structure of of the program and the organization and what we're trying to do on the ice right now in, in his, his senior season. So, you know, speak about Gorms a little bit as a in his development from his freshman year came in, you know, a lot of little buzz maybe around him coming out of the draft and, and now how it's he's molded himself into a it's probably a different style of player as he's wrapping up his Princeton career. Yeah, well, to come right out of prep school is very difficult. Like not many players come out of prep school and, and um, nobody, he did PG and, and coming out of it, he just, there, there's tendencies that you can get away with at uh, the prep level over junior and even college. Um, and it, it took a while for him to score his first goal. I remember he scored off of a great little snapshot at RPI. Um, but he has always had a great shot. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, I don't think he was using his full speed on the four check, kind of like an Eric Robinson, right? He can get after it. Like, he's a really good skater and he, he's got great length and a great wingspan. So he can take up a lot of, of space. And so we worked on him with, uh, in the defensive part of the game and he started to really buy in and he's been one of our best penalty killers for over the past couple of years now. Um, but it, it, for him, he wants to get to the next level, you know, and, and, uh, as do all of our guys. And so the last couple of years, we've been talking about like what I need for my development. So we, we've been sending him, not only him, but our team, numerous NHL clips throughout the week, every week. And and with our development plans, you know, we, we kind of pinpointed three players who are in the National Hockey League who are, are similar to the style of play that our guys are. So when we discuss, um, you know, system structure and play, we'll send our players those clips of those NHL players who are doing that, that they resemble. So guys, Liam, like he's had a great start here too. And he's done a tremendous job with our leadership group. He's done a, a great job over the summertime of bringing the young guys along uh, as a captain with not even having that captain uh, uh, pinned to his chest. Um, but, but he's someone who through conversing is very coachable. And once he gets it, he can adapt his game. So he's going to be someone in the Chicago organization that they, they will look at. I believe he's going to get a chance because he can play a 200 foot game. He can be an offensive guy. He can be a defensive guy. He can, he can uh, merge into any role that is asked of him. And cause we've asked it of him 
and he, he's done a tremendous job. So, you know, it, it's the, the, the five guys who are in our senior group here, you know, it, they're really driving the bus through communication from the guys in their pods, you know, and I think that's been really uh, a good tool that we utilize to bring everyone up so quickly with what we do, but of who we're, who we are becoming and who we are. Um, but he's someone who's really done a great job as a leader and done a great job letting other guys know I, I, I didn't come in and be a goal scorer when I left it from a goal scoring position at St. Seb's. So just do what is needed of you and let's win together. Yeah. And he's, you know, there's been, been a pretty good month, you know, four, four wins in December, you know, springboard into to January. And let's wrap up talking about how we're, we're going to start this weekend with, with Hobie 100 weekend and something you know we've kicked it around for a couple of years now about, Hey, this, this anniversary is coming up and you know, we should find ways to, to celebrate and all, you know, the, Hobie the man and the rink and what it means to Princeton and hockey in New Jersey and all these things and now it's happening and it's it's pretty cool to be putting the fin the finishing touches on it as we speak to to get this weekend going but where's you know the where's your excitement level and, and your energy to to have the alumni back we're up to almost almost 200 alumni from the men's and women's team that are registered to come back for the games this weekend and and to really celebrate what it means to have spent time inside one of the great college hockey venues in the country the 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 two biggest points for me in celebrating this weekend is that you know in, in 1975 we had women's you know sports at Princeton so to have uh, an opportunity to celebrate with Kara and her program is something special you know so we have the men's and women's uh, hockey team celebrating you know Hobie Baker rink you know and so that that's a big part of it uh, I I love what Kara's done with her program I, we get to know the players we're down the same hallway and we pass each other numerous times throughout the day. So for them to be a part of it and us to be a part of it in the same weekend with a double header, I think it's gonna be very special. And, and there's gonna be a lot of excitement uh, for all four games this weekend. Uh, the second part is I, I'm the most excited just to spend time with our alums and, and hearing the stories and uh, experiences and all the reference points that made uh, it something special to play at Hobie, Hobie Baker rink. You know, talking about different games and different plays. I hear a lot from John Cooks. I've forged a great relationship with, with Cookie over my time here. And, uh, but there's a lot of alums coming back that just to hear them in small groups and, uh, you know, remembering their times and how special Hobie Baker rink is, is, is going to be pretty exciting for me. And it might be a very long night on Saturday, especially after a couple wins, but those are two, Chaz. I, I think yeah, the cup being here is great. Retro jersey is great, but, to have a weekend of great excitement for, you know, the, you know, the 48 student athletes of the men's and women's team is going to be great and being surrounded by the, the alumni fraternity that's going to welcome them when they graduate is going to be something even special too. Do you have, you know, you've seen Baker rink in so many different ways over your time as a hockey player and a coach and, and just a hockey, the hockey guy. Right. And so like, do you have a favorite memory of your time, you know, individually at Baker Rink and you know a, a favorite thing about Baker Rink that just you know like when someone like that stands out you know when you get to to be a part of it on a daily basis now well my my memories are more better as a as a coach than a player I, I think I still uh, owe Andre Faust an elbow you know from uh, 1992 he got me right around center ice so that was one of the first times I noticed the uh the wood roof but um <laughs> You know, the, the, the memories that I have is when before I, I, I took the position, which is I'm, I'm so grateful for, 
I spoke with Tuka Hoon, who's coming back this weekend, and Coach Godowski, and, and just just spoke to them of what it was like to be at Princeton and, and how proud they were of winning a championship at Princeton. And and so that's why I strive for, you know, just to try to do everything in my uh, capabilities to have a championship year, but also I you know to be uh, to have a team to win a first NCAA game. You know, that's something that uh, the memory that I'm looking forward to, but enjoying the process, you know, throughout, you know, and just enjoying going to Baker rink, you know, if it's a good time or not such a good time following weekend, just being very grateful that there's been a hundred years of history and, and tremendous student athletes that have skated on that rink and just tremendous coaches that have been behind the bench and to be a small part of it. Um, just very grateful. Um, so not, not one memory trumps the rest of them. And just, I, I just appreciate every day. And, you know, if, if you look to a series, I really enjoyed being in Colgate, you know, in the playoff series, when we score with one second to go in game two, uh, but there's been just to see our guys, you know, enjoy practicing together, enjoy being in the dress room, seeing, you know, the, the mingling with the men's and women's programs on a daily basis. There, there's just so many great uh, experiences that I've, I've had over my time here at Princeton, and hopefully many more to come. So I guess 100 years down is is good. And let's look forward to the next 100 years. All right. Well said. The next 100 years officially begins this weekend, Friday and Saturday, January 6th and 7th, as both programs welcome back uh, everyone who, who loves Baker Rink and, and you know, who make it so special uh, to, to be a part of the Princeton hockey family. And, and Ron, we're looking forward to seeing you behind the bench and, and hopefully uh, enjoying a couple of great games this weekend. Yeah, and, and to you, Chaz, they, they, a lot of people don't know, you, you do a, did a tremendous amount of job to you know, get this weekend set up. So for you and your staff and everybody uh, associated with it, you know, our job is is pretty easy. We prepare and go play the game, and from from all the get, helping General Milley to get here and everything associated with it, Chaz, uh, I appreciate that. And you're making something special for the experience of our alums and for the fans, and it's something that they won't uh, soon forget. So I appreciate it. Wow, we I appreciate those kind words. Total team effort from from a lot of folks who are passionate about the rink and, and the sport and, and everything that goes along with it. So we're we're looking forward to enjoying this weekend, and it's going to be a special one. We'll be uh, back in just a minute. We'll be joined by Liam Gorman here on the next segment of Princeton Hockey Talk, presented by First Bank. Hard charge, Liam Gorman's got a lane to the net. Here's Liam Gorman on senior night. He scores! Early season senior night, Liam Gorman opens the scoring. All right, welcome back to Princeton Hockey Talk. It's presented by First Bank, and we're excited to be joined by senior on the men's team, one of the captains, Liam Gorman. Gorms, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chaz. Appreciate it. Big weekend coming up here at Baker Rink. We'll start there with Hobie 100 weekend. Um, what's the the vibe been like with the boys, you know, kind of this week of practice and, and kind of getting ready? We know it's, there's a lot going on, and there's – there's excitement around Princeton hockey and, and Hobie Baker Rink and what this program means to everyone. Yeah, a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of excitement out of the guys for sure. But at the same time, a lot of focus. Um, we're making sure to stay on top of everything with all the extracurriculars going on. Um, obviously, we have some pretty cool trophies coming into the locker room here. I don't know if I'm supposed to spill the beans too much about what's going on, but beans um... are spilled, man. Beans are spilled. <laughs> okay, you can, you can talk about what that what that means. 
Yeah, so we, we, we've got the Patty Kazmaier Trophy, the Hobie Baker Trophy, and the Stanley Cup all coming into the locker room for, uh, for the guys, the families, and for the Princeton community to see. So we're all looking forward to that. But um, in terms of the guys, we're all, we're all super excited. It's a big weekend, a lot of points on the line, two big rivalry games. Um, we're, we're looking forward to some really good hockey. For you, right, you know, we'll get into it, obviously, but like this, this program and, and the rink means a lot to, to your family. Do you remember your first time at Baker Rink? Uh, you know, probably coming tagging along with your dad to reunions or something and, and getting to experience it for the first time. Yeah. I, I think the first time I came, I was probably 14 years old. Um, and I, I, I just remember my dad talking about it all growing up, how much he loved the place, how much he loved the guys um, from his class, from his team, from the school. So it's always had a special place in my in my mind and in my heart. So walking in for the first time was really exciting. Um, plus, just the rink itself is beautiful <laughs> just with with nothing else. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was super thrilled to be able to come down for the first time. And I'm stoked that I'm still being able to coming every day did you when did you get to like first play on it was it when you came here as a player did you get any games on it was with St. Seb's or any travel teams or was like your first experience on that rink in Princeton gear yeah so my, my first time skating on the ice was in Princeton gear I growing up in back home in Boston we played at a bunch of different college rinks up there um, but we never really made it down to New Jersey so getting out for the first time in the Princeton gear was really cool do you um, you talk about your dad's memories of the rink and all that? Like, uh, for him, if we had him sitting on this chair right now, I'm sure he'd say one of the coolest memories is for him probably now, maybe even cooler than any of the ones he had, is getting to watch you and, and Brendo play, you know, together on the rink. You know, so for you, talk about that as as big brother in your senior season, being able to to share ice time and during a really special year for the program with your young, your younger brother. Yeah, I mean, it, it, something like this started when we were really, really little. We always wanted to play together at every different level. Obviously, like growing up as little kids, you want to we, we wanted to play college hockey. That was our goal, playing the NHL at the end of the day. But we really wanted to play college hockey and doing everything together as we were little growing up made it feel as though we wanted to do it together. Obviously, like we're a very tight knit family, the, myself, Brendan and Colin, my youngest brother, Um and so we, we, we started really playing together in high school. My senior year at St. Sebastian's, Brendan was a freshman. Um, we had a little bit of different roles on the team, so we didn't really get the same, like, experience that I think we do now playing on the same line in the same units. Um, but it really means a lot to my family, obviously, my dad in particular, but also to the two of us. It's an experience that not many people get to have, and I'm very thankful that I have the opportunity to have it. Um, you know, it's maybe a little bit about the the recruiting process for you, right? You're you're coming in, you you've got the family connection to Princeton. Was it always Princeton, or were you, you know, kind of exploring everything? Like, how does that process work for you, right? As someone that has family ties to one of the one of the college programs, like how does that how does that work when you're thinking about where you want to go? Yeah, so I think. I, th I think all growing up, there was a little seed planted in the back of my mind that I really wanted to end up here. Um, but I took the recruiting the best way I could and the best route that I could by trying to look at all my options. And I ended up actually committing elsewhere before finally committing here. Um, 
but yeah, even, even throughout that whole process, when I was looking at other schools, I think I always had in the back of my mind that I really wanted to end up here and come here. Um, everything that my dad said about the community, the culture, and every piece that comes with Princeton was really intriguing to me. So I'm very thankful again that I was able to turn the dream into a reality. And then, D, I don't know if you guys, um, I'm assuming everybody reads the game notes that, that I put out every week, but it, mm-hmm. tabs on the fact that, that I've got a little Gorman family scoring race note in the game notes that gets I have. for each game. I have noticed. And it's def, like, we don't like to talk about it, but Brent and I are two very competitive individuals, especially when it comes to head on head, starting out in, in the rink in the backyard. But even now, um, trying to keep up with your freshman little brother in a scoring race is it's tough, especially when he's really fine in the back of the net. So uh, it's pushing me. It's pushing him. And uh, I think we're really hoping it keeps going throughout the way. Well, man, most importantly, you're two away from your dad. So I think, yeah. you know, that's that's important. You can keep, get the bragging rights on him knowing that. And if you're doing your part, there's no reason you can't be getting the apples when Brendan's scoring the goals and vice versa. So that's a yeah. good thing for Princeton if you guys are, are climbing up, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you guys are anyone that spent time with the, the family. We had the nice dinner, but at your house before the Harvard game, you know, this the competitive juices are flowing at the Gorman family at all times. Always are, always are. <laughs> um, you know, you talk about your senior year of high school too. Like, you know, that's when you got you get drafted coming out of high school and, and and coming in, and you know, and now you're you're with Chicago. You know, after you know a move this off season, like I. You know, obviously you're super focused on this season right now and what's going on and enjoying that senior year. But like, what's that process been like as you, you get to know a new organization through development camp this summer and, and getting to, to experience, you know, you know, a Stanley Cup champion level organization and, and get to be brought into the mix with them as you, you know, start to put a little bit of attention towards where things go from here. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely been really exciting. Uh, I treated this summer primarily with the staff about getting to know everybody. Um, they were really good about making sure that I was feeling comfortable with the change um, and that everybody was doing what they could to help me out in, in that switch and meeting everybody new and learning what each person does and how, how, the, how the organization goes about business. Um, and I specifically, Kendall Coyne and Eric Condra have been really good about working with me one-on-one. Those are two of the primary people in the development staff. Um, they've been awesome and super helpful, just staying in contact with me, making sure that anything I need, they're there for. So I appreciate that. Plus just the ability to be a part, uh, hopefully soon of a original six organization is something I've always dreamed of and, and absolutely looking forward to. That's going to take a couple more months for you to put a bow on this Princeton career, but, you know, look, kind of do an intake for us of your time as a tiger. It's been complicated you know, COVID and, and missing a season and, and all that too. But like coming through your your development as a player and, and finding your your niche and role with with the group, you know, this year as a senior, as a leader, you know, and, and I think probably, you know, pip, my assumption, you can tell me if I'm wrong too, is like pivoting where your skill set's taking you, right? To be in a true like play, four check and play driving, using all of the natural skills you've got to like be in just an impactful aggressive disruptor on the ice it seems like at all times and then allowing you know the skill to then come from there too it just seems like it's all kind of clicking at a level 
that maybe hadn't in the first couple seasons for you here in the last one? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think I think coming in off the bat was a, a little bit different for me compared to maybe some other guys coming straight from high school because in high school, especially at the school I was at, we were we were a team with such high skill and just really good guys all around, but we didn't necessarily play a very structured game. Um, so without playing junior, coming straight out of high school without much structure, I had a lot to learn coming in and playing a very more structured and, and organized game. Um, and I think there was a little bit of a transition, especially throughout my freshman year. Then after that, my sophomore year, obviously, was the COVID year, and we didn't really get to do anything at all <laughs> um, with the team. It was all very individual work, which was good for me, too, uh, because it helped me work on some things that I've wanted to do throughout time. Um, but I think last season was the first season where I really started to feel like I got my legs under me, especially towards the latter half, um, where I really found out the role that I can best fill um for this team and moving forward and I think throughout this year I'm really just trying to polish off that role and really figure out what it is that I need to focus on moving forward here and I slowly think I'm starting to starting to get it where I need it to be yeah I think it's you know you've seen that that chemistry obviously there's natural chemistry with your centerman but you played a lot of games recently with with Ian Murphy and you know three guys from similar backgrounds and you know similar kind of probably takes on a lot of things is that chemistry just kind of continuing to to build from that trio and these guys play together you know a lot on power play and stuff too so it's not just a, a line on five on five you guys are doing things on special teams as well yeah I that 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 trio and and that group of guys is something that started my sophomore year actually so Murph myself obviously Brendan and I have been close for now what 20 years <laughs> so that's a bit of a different story but um Murph's freshman year and my sophomore year we weren't coming back on campus but all of us were already enrolled in school so myself and a couple of other guys in my class tried to find a way to get us all together and so we ended up we ended up renting a an apartment in Waltham Massachusetts and just get the freshman and sophomore classes guys together and live together so we were living together for that first semester, doing nothing but online school, playing hockey and lifting together. So that was something that sparked a, a pretty strong relationship that continued through the following summer, the next year and the next summer. Because Murph and I lived together at my aunt's apartment for the past two summers, uh, skating together and stuff. And Brendan getting into that mix before he even came to school, I think, was really good once he got here. So we, we, we have a little bit of a background in a, in a, in a pretty similar Pretty similar background, I guess. Yeah, for the three of us. Does the um, does the Boston Army like run the show? What do you think here? Like, it's kind of crazy. We're talking about it in the in the rink today. Of like, you know, used to be a lot of Canadians, used to be this and that, but now like the overwhelming is the most the place with the most kids on the team is Massachusetts, and you know, there's probably not a quiet group. No, no, no. You're definitely not going to get find a quiet guy out of the Massachusetts guys. That's for sure. But I think I think that question is going to be answered differently depending on who you ask. You ask the Jersey guys, they're going to have a way different opinion than if you ask the, the Canadian guys. And, you know, the Massachusetts guys are just going to be gassing ourselves up as much as we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think that kind of leads into to where I was going next was like the culture and the, and the vibe around the group. You know, I I taught told us to Ron when we talked about it and a little inside baseball here, like Liam taking this interview from Ron's office. So 
uh, you know, he's he's getting to feel all the vibes of the the fearless leader while he while he's yeah. doing this. But um, you know, this season's been a lot about kind of culture change and and bringing everyone in and and being such a cohesive group and you know enjoying the moments together. Um, you know, I, I tell Ron like I don't usually see like one or two guys together. If I were, if you're walking around campus, there's a pack. If you're at a soccer game, there's a bunch of guys. You know, I sat and spent some time with you and four or five guys at a women's basketball game, like in different things. Like it's like, what's that? Like how fun is it just to be with each other and, and build this thing together this season? That's, that's hopefully going to last and build that legacy that we see on the back of the shirts. Uh, it's, it's genuinely been amazing. I think ever since last March, when we really started this, this culture shift and turnaround, um, things have changed. We've, we've changed everything from, how we navigate our pregame warmups, how we go about to different places, uh, making sure that we're showing up together to different sporting events to make sure that everybody in the Princeton community knows that not only are we a family, but we want to be a part of the, the, the Princeton athletics and Princeton family as well. Um, but yeah, our, our primary focus throughout this entire season has been more around culture, character and community opposed to pretty much everything else. Um, and I think that change is, seen every day when you show up to the rink how guys communicate through practices and now even into games um you can see the direction that the culture is moving and how the shift is benefiting us on and off the ice and kind of use that to build into the next thing i want to touch on real quick is this past weekend you know coming out a 20-day break without a game coming off of exams and holidays and then traveling kind of across the country to colorado that the first game was was uh, a tough one, I think is a fair statement. And then, you know, but for the second time this season, a, a switch seemed to flip from Friday to Saturday on the road against a, a pretty quality non-conference opponent. So like as one of the guys at the leadership group, what what did you kind of pick up on Friday night and Saturday morning as like washing away the Friday performance and then being able to execute exactly, for the most part, how you guys wanted to on Saturday? Yeah, I, I, I think, like, if you really look at it, especially now in retrospect, like, we could use any excuse in the book. We 6,000-foot elevation change, 24-hour travel days, after 20 days of not playing a game, we really could have looked at all that and been like, oh, like, it's, it's a fluke, it's a floozy, whatever. But we just took it on the nose. We understood we didn't play the way we needed to play. Everybody across the board understood that. We trusted in each other. We unhooked the trailer that was the night before and just started the new day with a fresh slate. Um, and I think that's the way that we were able to pull it out. I mean, the guys stuck together. We didn't go against each other, butt heads in the way that maybe it could have happened if we navigated it a different way. Um, and I'm really proud of the guys for turning it around and showing up that second night because that's tough, especially like with the loss that we took like the night before. Like that's that's never never good on the psyche, never good for anybody at all. So it's very impressive, I think. And I'm proud of the guys for turning it around. When you know, heading into this weekend, back into to ECAC play and, you know, just kind of touch on a little bit the you know, this team has put itself in position coming out of the first kind of portion of the season to, to be in contention and, and, and be in the mix for, for everything you'd want to do in, in the league. And so, you know, where, like, what's the kind of energy level, right? We're not going to make predictions and, and do things like that, but just knowing that, like, these are big points every night 
you know, Harvard, Dartmouth coming in, like on top of all the other stuff we talked about at the start of the segment with OB 100 weekend, it's like, these are big points that you guys want to bank, you know, and the last time you were at home ice and league play, you banked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the energy, like, like I said earlier, like the energy's high, like this, this, this weekend's been one that's been circled on the calendar all year. Um, and we, in, in, in my previous years, we haven't necessarily been known as a home team per se. <laughs> we, we didn't really treat, Hobie like it was our house and like nobody else deserved to be in it and I think that's changed this year um and with these two with these two good teams and two big games I think it's a really good opportunity for us to make our mark and state that we're a different team we're a different culture we we have what it takes to to shut the door and to and to treat this place like our home um and I'm I'm looking forward to being able to do it this weekend We'll we'll close with, with kind of the question I'm asking everybody on this week's episode. Like, you know, what is your favorite thing or memory about Hobie Baker Rink? And you've seen it from a lot of different areas, right? As a kind of a fan and a, and a young kid coming in to, to see where his dad ran around for a couple of years, and, and now as a as a player, like, what what do you enjoy the most about being able to to call Hobie home? Honestly, I think it's the way I think it's the way that our team now treats the rink um guys are there from the crack of dawn till the middle of the night either just hanging out in the room with other guys doing homework in the video room um out on the ice getting some extra reps in i think guys are really starting to treat hobie like their home um and i think that is something that can benefit us on the ice as well right like if you if you really treat this place like your home you don't want to let another team come in here and walk all over you um you really have pride in it and i think that's something that i cherish greatly especially nowadays yeah that that home uh will be bumping this weekend it's going to be it's going to be fun we got four games between the two programs and, and liam we're looking forward to see you and your teammates on the ice uh friday and saturday to celebrate the the 100th anniversary the 100 years of, of hobie baker rink yeah, we're looking forward to get after it. All right. We'll be back in just a minute with women's head coach Kara Mori on Princeton Hockey Talk, presented by First Bank. Princeton Hockey Talk is presented by First Bank. First Bank is a true community bank with offices located throughout New Jersey and eastern Pennsylvania. Their team will work hard for you, embodying the four-check, back-check, paycheck mentality. Being a First Bank customer comes with access to personal bankers, ones who know your banking needs as well as you do. Contact your personal banker today by calling 877-821-2265 or visiting their website at firstbanknj.com. First Bank is an equal opportunity lender and member FDIC. All right, welcome back to Princeton Hockey Talk presented by First Bank. Pleased to be joined now by women's head coach Kara Mori. Kara, the break's over. Team's back on the ice and getting ready. What's that feel like to, to finally have some games coming up here in the future? Oh, it's exciting. Um, we maybe took a little too much time off. I think um, our players had 19 days um, where they didn't have hockey, except like a little bit on their own when they went home. Um, so we're excited. Um, we usually get a, a kind of a warm up game before this weekend, but this year we just didn't find an opponent that we could squeeze in there. So we're really pumped and it's two huge Ivy League games and probably the biggest weekend our players 
will play in outside of, you know, an NCAA tournament or an ECAC championship championship game. Yeah, it's Hobie 100 weekend. And it's, you know, there's so much that's gone into it. We started this maybe two years ago, even mentioning it, and it's here now and it's crazy. And, and it's all pulled together really nicely with, you know, both teams being home for, for double headers this weekend against Dartmouth and Harvard. And, you know, and so many alumni, we were just talking before we got on here, but almost 200 alums coming back across both programs for this weekend. So, like, what does that say to you about? the investment and, you know, an emotional connection from the alums to this program, to Hobie Baker rink into Princeton hockey. I think we have one of the tightest, um, strongest and most passionate alumni base in all of college hockey. I mean, it's evident at reunions every year um, <laughs> when we have so many people come back every single year, but the fact that we're celebrating this rink, being a hundred years old in this amazing building. Um, I know we're talking about the actual building being 100, but what we're celebrating is the history of Princeton hockey and all the people that played here in this building um, and wore the Jersey of, of Princeton hockey. And so I think that our alumni feel very connected to our programs. They feel like it was a very influential part of their lives and they love it. And so I think that's why you're seeing these numbers of, of 200 alums coming back for a random January weekend. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you, you touched on reunions and, you know, the, the, for instance, vibe overall was just being proud of where you come from. But I think the rink itself, like, you know, the building, it, it leads to that for anyone that's ever spent time in there. There's six rows in the lower bowl. You are on top of the action in the locker room and team spaces. It is, you know, it's a hundred year old rink. So it was built in a different way in a different era. So it's, so you share a lot of time with your teammates, the other team, the staff, everyone's in there together and you just build those relationships. It feels like for me as someone who's been around it now for like three plus years, but for, for the alumni, I just can't, you know, the, the memories that are made in those spaces have to ring true. And you, what's it like for you as a coach to, see those kind of be formed and how those relationships are built amongst your team and, and with the program for when they come in as first years and run out as seniors. I think one of the cool things about our rink is actually something that people recruit against for Princeton hockey and both. And that's that we share so many spaces. And so a lot of the big time quote unquote hockey programs, they have a men's rink and they have a women's rink or they have a men's rink and no women's program at all. And so they're missing out on so much, so many relationships, so many stories, so many ways to share and connect with other people. So for us, it's an intimate space. It's tight. And we share a lot of spaces with our men's program and um, you build really good friendships and you get more invested in the other team. Like when I'm when I'm walking underneath the rink, going to the kitchen and I see, you know, three of the guys down there and I know them by name, like now I have a bigger attachment to their success, you know, and their success starts to become our success and vice versa. Ron knows every player on our team from seeing them every day. And so while I think, you know, I think people in those other programs recruit the fact that they have a women's rink or a men's rink to me, they're missing out on like uh, an amazing, um, like it's like it's like our right arm to our left arm like it's the other half of our program like I look at Princeton hockey as one giant program it's Princeton hockey we have a men's team we have a women's team and we root for each other and we know each other and you know we share and that's a great quality to grow up learning honestly so I think 
I think having both of us down there sharing so many spaces just makes us both stronger. Do you have a a favorite memory from from Baker Rink? I mean, you've seen it in so many different ways now as a player, as a coach, as a parent, like, you know, as a fan and like, you know, different moments and experiences. Like what stands out to you from from your life and career with with hockey and Baker Rink? I mean, it always feels special. When I was a player, it was, I always thought it was the nicest rink that I played in. And because I I love history and I love, you know, that small town feel of hockey. I grew up in a small town in Ontario. So it felt, while it's way more beautiful, it felt like that small town barn where you'd go watch your, you know, junior, local junior hockey team. So I loved it as a player, as a coach, being able to work here. Like I look around and I think, are you kidding? I get to like have an office in this building. Now, sometimes when the heat's not working and stuff, you think, (laughs) okay, it's a hundred years old, but it's, it's, it's an incredible space. I like to just go sit up in the balcony and look at, you know, take my phone calls with recruits there while I'm looking out over it. I also love like kind of that juxtaposition where it's a hundred years old in the main shell of it. And then when you go underneath, it's completely renovated and modern and has really cool spaces like our video room that has like awesome leather seats and a giant smart board and all the technology and our locker rooms that are like state of the art, but you come out and you have this like vintage score clock and like wooden rafters and stone walls. So it's really neat to feel like you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a time warp coming out of that tunnel and, you know, and you get to, like you said, you get to experience it. And it's, you know, there there are things that, you, that you're missing out on, but I do think it, you know, as a fan, sometimes you, talk, uh, you know, we, we go on the road, we see some of the new rinks and you're like, that's cool. That's cool. But then you come back and you're like, yeah, but this is home. And like, yeah. it feels, it just feels special to have it and to, to be, you know, you, Ron, the players, everyone are caretakers of this place that's, that's been here and it's part of Princeton's fabric too. I think one of the overlooked things that, that I always tell people is one of my favorite things about Baker Rink is that it's in the center of campus. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's right next to the train station. It's right next to a couple of restaurants. It's right next to libraries and classrooms. And it looks completely in place because that's, it was built there a hundred years ago in the middle of campus. And, and it feels like Princeton and when you see it and get to experience it. It does feel like Princeton. And you look across at the dorms that are like right next to it and it blends in and it feels like it's been here forever, which it has. And I think that you have, I think there's like something that's really humbling when you step out onto the ice versus like you're in these, you know, beautiful spaces underneath the rink. But when you step out onto the ice, you realize this has been here for a hundred years and it's going to be here a lot longer. I am a small blip in this story of Princeton hockey and Princeton university. So it is really humbling. Like we have some amazing players and some Olympians that came through and they realize when you step out and you see these stone walls and you see the pictures of our Olympians or our NHL players, and you realize I'm just a part of this story. I'm part of something much bigger than myself. And, you know, coaches will talk about it all the time, leave the place better than it was and all this, but it's, it's hard not to feel that every time you step out for the national anthem and you realize this rink is a hundred years old. It means there are so many players that came before me. There are so many that will come after me. So what can I do today to leave a legacy? And you just, you can't help but be humbled when you step out onto the rink. How's the the vibe been for the group, right? Coming out of break and coming back and having, you alluded to it. You know, 
it's been a while, but even since the team's been back. And so it's been like kind of like professional hockey players in some respect where you get to practice and go over film and lift and kind of focus on your craft and get ready for these games, but also while building this nice slow burn of excitement into this weekend as it's getting closer to puck drop on Friday afternoon now, like how's that excitement level been building for the group and what little moments have been kind of coming together for the team to, to get ready for this weekend? Yeah, I think it's really starting to ramp up right now. I think that we were taking our practices like practice and not really thinking about it because it can get overwhelming with everything we have going on. And I've really been sheltering our players. Like I'll get a text being like, what? The Stanley Cup is coming. How come you didn't tell us? So (laughs) I have been shielding them from a lot. So they're just focusing on like, like it's just another day. But today when, when we did the Jersey reveal and Sarah came in and surprised them all, I think they realized, oh, this is something big. So we've just been trying to like, slowly get back at it but january definitely is the best month because they really are like pro athletes they don't have class or anything it was actually really funny because the other day um dom and emma were in the kitchen and i was in there at like i don't know 10 30 a.m we didn't practice till two and they're like what are you doing here and i'm like like i still work <laughs> like you don't have classes so for you it's very different but do, do you think i just show up for practice i'm like we still work all day long but for the players it's a completely different feel where you know they're not running from class and and being tired like it's a really it's i think it's the best month because they get a taste of what it's like to be a pro athlete and you know kind of pivoting to the on ice product and with the team and, and where they're at you know we haven't spoken in, in a while for, for this with, with the break, but, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the first couple episodes here is finding your way to getting that offense clicking um, as we all maybe thought and expected it to with, with the firepower in the lineup. And the Mercyhurst series kind of led to that, right, with, you know, 11 goals in two games and two different ways to win. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what what's your – it's obviously, a, you know, almost a month ago now, but, like, what are your takeaways from that series that closed out the first semester that, that hopefully you're going to still be percolating heading into Dartmouth and Harvard this weekend? Yeah. It, it Here's the thing. I, I expected the offense to come. I didn't think it would take as late into that first half as it did. And then when we hit RPI and scored five goals against them, I was like, okay, hey, this is what we needed. And we had union the next day. And then union was a slap in the face. We had 92 attempted shots and put one goal in the net. And you're like, what is going on? Um, but then they bounce back and they put up 11 goals the next weekend. So what? what's that 16, 11, 17 goals in, in the last four games? And that's not what- education there, not bad. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I mean, not, not that I expected that many goals every single weekend, but the offense is is clicking. And like, hopefully it's like the hardest thing. You can't just say, oh, that's what we needed. And the floodgates are open. Who knows? We might- we might have some struggles again, but we know it's there. We finally know we've talked about it. We knew it was there. We just didn't see it. Now we've seen it. We've seen it three games out of the last four. And so I think for them, the confidence in knowing that we can put up offensive power, like, like we thought we would be. So I think it's going to be huge. Hopefully we just continue this as we go through the second half of the season. And, you know, I think one of the other things is right. We, you know, we've touched on where Sarah's at coming back into this fold a little bit. I think, you know, not that no one, not that anyone didn't think she had it in her, right? But it's like probably coincides nicely with her finding her rhythm and feeling comfortable in her role and what she's supposed to bring to this team towards the end of the semester is what it kind of felt like to me, observing from a little bit afar that like, you know, all right, she's settled in, she knows her teammates, 
she's feeling that comfort level with her line mates and with everybody else. And like, obviously it's like, you know, then you're at, it's like adding that all-star break, like trade deadline type thing where you get this person coming in and now they've, they finally acclimated back to the room and maybe are spreading out the roles and responsibilities a little bit more for everyone. Is that kind of where it was at with her? Well, I feel, and I don't want to speak out of turn because we didn't really discuss it. I feel like I don't want to give it legs, but this happened her freshman year too. Like she came out of being the top recruit out of North America, putting up points like crazy. And then, and then she struggled her first semester because it was a different game and it was a different level. And then she went off and she hadn't been here in two years. And when she came back, like she's getting double and triple teamed. Like people don't let her breathe out there. So I think that was a, an adjustment because when she's playing on the Olympic team, she's like, you know, the young in, like, it's not like if team USA wants to double cover her, you know, they had Dao and they have Poulin and they have Spooner and they have all these kids that then are left open. So you can't afford to like double team someone at that type of level, but they were double and triple teaming her. And honestly, our game is a little bit different. There's a lot of there's a lot of stick work and hooking and stuff that just pulls you off enough to not get those good scoring chances. So I think, I think there was an adjustment period for her where, yes, it was knowing your teammates, but also realizing, wow, I have two and three people on me now instead of one-on-ones all the time. And, and I don't have as much, you know, space as on the Olympic ice and the, and the game's called different. And then hopefully like that last weekend, she's like, Hey, I'm, I am feeling good. And then she went off and and played in, in that rivalry series, scored a nice power play goal there. And, and she's got lots of confidence right now and she looks great at practice. So. And she's, you know, spreading the puck around too. I think that's always the key when you're looking at, at that type of players, like she has just as many assists as she does goals. And so like when you're a leader, when your best player is spreading the wealth like that, it just sets the tone down the lineup of like, let's share the puck and find the right shot for everybody and don't have to force things. Yeah. She is not a selfish player at all. So I think a lot of times she actually prefers to be the playmaker than the goal scorer. She, she, uh, she knows that now when she draws double coverage, someone's open. And so it's just making sure she's got the right people around her that when, when she makes that pass, they can finish. And kind of speaking to the the finish here, we're getting close to the finish of this segment and flipping the calendar to the second half of the year in the ECAC run, you know, kind of quickly think about, right. See, it's all league games the rest of the way. So these are huge points to, to start to solidify where you want to be as a program heading into the postseason. So like, you know, how does that, does that add to where things are at for these types of weekends? Knowing, right. Like this is, you, you, it's a, it's jumbled in that, in that league as we expected. We've talked about it all year, how it's it's a great league and there's no easy games. And so like, you got to be, can't be overwhelmed you get to rise to these moments every single night here on in yeah I, I'm really hoping the the difficulty of our scheduling in the first half is going to help us down the second half because I think our first 10 games we had six top 10 teams in the country that we faced and and you know we didn't win them I wish we had a pulled out a win here or there against some of those ranked teams but but we definitely played like we could have beaten them and and we pulled up, you know, an upset against Cornell there. So um, I'm hoping that all the adversity that we had to deal with, with that really tough first half really helps us going into the second half to know that, you know, we can skate with anybody and, and any we've said it and it's not a cliche. Anyone in the ECAC can win on any day. And so it's kind of like the NFL. If you show up, you got a chance. If you don't show up, they're going to take it to you. So 
it's the best league to play in. And I'm just, you know, I'm just excited for it because I think our team is in a good place heading into the back half. All right. Well, the back half of the season starts on Friday afternoon against Dartmouth at 3 p.m. to kick off Hobie 100 weekend. And then Kara's team's right back at it 24 hours later on Saturday at 3 p.m. Second part of their weekend for, again, Hobie 100 weekend. It's going to be it's going to be special. It's going to be fun. And, and can't wait to see you and your, and your group on the ice. Thanks so much, Chaz. All right. We'll be back in just a minute on Princeton Hockey Talk presented by First Bank. All right, welcome back. The next guest on Princeton Hockey Talk presented by First Bank is Kate Monahan, a member of the women's team, a, a defender from Morristown, New Jersey, a local product. And we figured it should be pretty good to bring on this week to talk about Hobie Baker Rink and all things Princeton women's hockey. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jazz. Uh, really honored to be here. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, special week. We'll start there. We'll get into the kind of the fun and the party and, and everything that's going on before we get in, get into the nitty gritty of hockey, you know, kind of walk us through for, from your perspective, the and energy and excitement that's been building here as your team, not only gets, gets done with break, but gets done in kind of a big way with, with a special weekend at the rink. I'd say aside from playoffs, this feels like the biggest weekend of the year. Um, just in terms of like energy, like on the ice, we've been like, playing really well uh, and I think that's just coming from the energy off the ice and the excitement about this weekend uh, you know we feel incredibly grateful to play in this rink every day and so to celebrate its 100th year anniversary just brings a new um, element to the weekend and you know what makes it even better is the the special jerseys we're going to be debuting on Friday uh, to, to honor the 100th year anniversary of Hobie Baker. We uh, did a little reveal today and the energy in the room was pretty special. Yeah, it was cool to kind of be around, you know, a little little bit of a fly on the wall for that, you know, kind of sneak Sarah out. We were like, will anyone notice if uh, 16's gear isn't in the locker room? And then like start asking questions and Kara was in on it. And it was, it was kind of fun to put all that together. What was like, did you, did you, sniff that out at all that anything weird was going on or was it totally a surprise to to the group um there was whispers but none of us really thought it was the jerseys we thought that was gonna be like a friday thing like we walk in and they're in our stalls and so to see her walk in like sporting the jersey it's it just increased the excitement levels by like a million yeah it was a kind of came together nicely you know, we're always nervous in our end when you put some of those things together and like okay someone gonna like walk in at the wrong time and kind of ruin the surprise or you know people be excited and you know again the mike and tebow and the equipment group and coaches and everyone put a lot of you know time and effort into kind of coming up with some with these and the details and making sure they're special and everyone's excited but then you're always like okay will the team like it and it seemed like that reaction went went pretty well and there's a lot of smiles coming out of that film room uh this this morning wasn't there yeah I mean we're we're ecstatic and I think there's a lot of pride wearing you know associated with this jersey and you know every every time you wear the Princeton jersey there's something special about it but this week is memorialized kind of in this jersey um so like I said earlier there's just that added element of you know history and and celebrating a, a special moment and kind of you 
have a, a you know, different maybe affinity for the for the program and the rink and all that as someone who's from New Jersey and, and from the area. So, you know, do you have a memory of your first time stepping foot in Baker Rink or on the ice and what that was like and maybe a favorite memory of, uh, you know, a big game, you know, from I'm sure you've played countless games in the rink at this point from your youth and in, in high school and now through college. So I probably first stepped on the ice when I was eight and that was, it was like Flyers youth versus Princeton stars hockey game or, and I just couldn't believe I was in college hockey rink. I don't think I really knew what to make of it. Um, at the time it was just like, it was another hockey game, but there's this added element just like this weekend of like, Oh, I'm in this really special place and maybe someday like I'll be that college player skating on this ice. Um, and, you know, a couple years later, I went to a couple Princeton hockey camps. My mom's got some great photos of me, like lined up at center ice for a, for a face off. And so, you know, I've been here throughout the years. Um, have some incredible memories also watching games. I got to see, uh, our boys high school team take down PDS in uh, the historic Lawrenceville PDS game. Got to come to some awesome Princeton men's and women's hockey games. So it's it's kind of hard to pick out a favorite memory, but every time I'm in the rink, there's just this, a special energy. Um, and I think that comes from the historic aspect of the building. We were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording, right, about Lawrenceville and how they're built, they have a new rink. And so some of the things that made that, the old rink so special to you as someone who played there are gone now. And it's new memories and all those things. But like, you know, I was talking about this with Kara earlier today and, and some other folks too. Like you go to the new rinks and they're beautiful and and they've got, you know, all the bells and whistles, but then like you look around and it's like, that kind of looks like the same. They all kind of kind of have the same vibe and, and things like that. And I feel like that's what makes you appreciate coming back to Baker you know, and, and a little bit more every time. Is there like a, something unique or like, again, a quirky, if a building can be quirky about Baker Rink that you're always like, I that's cool and that's what makes this a special place to play? So my favorite aspect of the rink is the stone wall uh, back behind our home net. Um, and what stands out about that to me is two things one there's no other rink that i know of at least in the in division one ice hockey that has a stone wall you know in their rink you know other other ranks will have like wooden benches or some cool historic features but there's no other rink with that type of feature uh secondly like my high school rink had a super cool stone fireplace uh so there's something, you know, there where I just appreciate that the rinks I'm playing in have incredible character. Um, and then every time we line up for the national anthem, we get to face that stone wall and we see the make Patty Pat make Patty Proud poster, the Hobie Baker banner. Um, and so I get to take a moment every time, you know, we hear the national anthems and before the games and take a moment of gratitude, think about the history and the legacy of 
playing in the rink that not only has like the two M- MVP awards, you know, it was the home of the two MVP awards and is one of the oldest ranks in college hockey. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that's, there's so many cool things. I think for me, the the one that I always think about is like how close you are to the ice, like from like basically wherever you're watching a game, like talking about fan experience, like, yeah, there's some, some sight lines that they're a little different, but like the lower bowl goes to row F like, there's six rows like you're on top of the game the experience and I get to I like to take those moments of like when I'm doing what I do on the men's games or silly photos and things on Instagram of like you know seeing people be like I can't believe we're this close you can see it in people's eyes when they come in because like they probably have only experienced hockey from a balcony you know at the highest part of Wells Fargo Center or something like that and so like that's the one for me but it's good to hear you talk about that because like where I stand again for the for the men's games when we were because like we're up in that press box and I'm like it's going to know like everyone's like looking at us because like, that's where the flags are, I guess. So I got to like pay attention and like not do anything stupid or, you know, or like be caught sitting down or whatever. So it's like, okay, I got to pay attention because like the teams are all staying right up at you. You forget sometimes that's like, you're, I'm literally right under the flags and, and everyone's looking at you. But I think it'd be fine. But if you asked every, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people who will be in the rink this week, they'll probably all have something a little different that I think that makes it special. And that's what's special about it is, is everyone gets to enjoy it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you have you know where's the family situation coming in this weekend? A lot of a lot of folks coming through to to enjoy the games because they're big games too, right? I mean Princeton Harvard uh, on Saturday is a big game in women's hockey. There's there's a lot to that. It's not just another opponent. All, all these games, so there's fun games. It's a little bit of during the the winter break for some folks. Like, is there gonna be a lot of family and friends from you and your teammates in in the building on on the weekend? So I'm fortunate my parents come to every single game. Uh, they could not miss one, but uh, I'm really excited for the Harvard game. I got a lot of family and family friends coming who haven't seen me play ever, haven't seen me play in years. Um, and so that's a really special game for me. And then the added element of it being versus Harvard. Um, you know, one of our freshman goaltender, her sister plays on Harvard. And so she's like, yeah, my whole family's coming. Um, and then, you know, you got other people's families coming all the way from British Columbia. So this is a really big weekend for us um, as a as a group in terms of, you know, sharing the game with those who are closest to us. Um, and I think that just adds to the excitement. You know, we want to, we always want to play our best, but it definitely means a lot more when the people you love the most are in the crowd cheering you on. In the, you know, you talked about you always want to play your best. Like team's been kind of finding itself a little bit speaking with Kara earlier. And and those who are are listening have heard us kind of talk through this a little bit just recently here too, of like, you know, the break break is always tough. The the exams it's needed exams and all that stuff too. But like, those last four games may have been like the best sequence that the team had played this season of starting to kind of gel together and and find a good rhythm, especially offensively towards the, towards the end of the the fall semester. So like, you know, from your vantage point, one of the veterans on the team now, like what was working, what was clicking there in those last couple of weeks, especially the, the two big offensive outbursts at Mercyhurst. I would say, a really big th- thing for us is just getting confidence 
in our offense. Like you said, that was kind of our first weekend with really big scoring outbursts. Um, and so to have confidence in the fact that we are an offensive team and we can, you know, can continue to come back when we need to and get the job done. I think that like really resonated in the locker room. And then even just like across the score sheet, there's a many number of people who scored or got points. And I think that is just like amplifying those, those feelings of confidence. And so now coming into this weekend, we had some time off, which is nice, like nice little reset button. Um, But I think it's really important that we continue to believe in ourselves and, you know, look at the stats and be like, we can do this. We've done it. The, um, from there. Yeah, you know, this is the part where I'm glad we're doing this through Zoom because you can't like, you know, hit me. Um, but the you know, looking at that Mercyhurst game, the first one, a goal and two assists. It had been a while since you <laughs> scored. Um, you know, I did the math. It was 27 games. So like. What's that feeling like when you get that, you hit the back of the net and you, you know, you rip the monkeys off your back and like, you know, like you've been plugging away, right? You're a defender. Like you're not counted on for offense, but then to dial up a, a one and two game. Like that's gotta be awesome. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, that game, I was just buzzing. Like my energy was great. <laughs> um, I had a lot a lot of shots a lot of scoring opportunities and it they weren't cl- clicking and I was like okay like I'm just gonna keep moving and at one point after one of the opportunities I came off the bench and I was talking to our goalie and our athletic trainer and I was like you know what? I'm gonna score when it matters and like then I end the game like that scoring with 0.4 seconds left yeah. seconds left to go into overtime like <laughs> I don't know that like you don't really get a moment like that in sports that often um and so it was really surreal and I think it it boosts my confidence going into you know the rest of the season that I'm here to you know be a veteran player and you know do my job defensively but if I can amplify the team's offense I'm gonna make it happen yeah that's you know I got you know, great confidence from you to to talk through it that way with with the folks on the bench and then to be able to to deliver as well and you know you got a little bit of a knack for for scoring you know some game winners and different things throughout your your career you know in, in key times and so like what is you know do you feel that kind of coming do you feel that like you know how do you how do you know when that moment is starting to to arise for you um well I would say like I really feed off adrenaline and so the big games just like really get me. Um, like that's why I l- live for playoffs. Um, just because like I feed good energy off that uh the adrenaline of the big games. Um, and so I kind of I usually feel it before the game. Like I feel more energized than normal, or like I feed into that the added stakes of it. Um. But I wouldn't say there's a necessarily a feeling when I know I'm going to score. Uh, but I just know when I'm going to have a good day. <laughs> I love it. I, I love that. Uh, I love that energy and, and confidence again. Um, so, you know, the touched on like the second half starting a little bit. And so it's all ECAC play the rest of the way here. Um, and it's a tough league. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of good teams. There's probably no days off when you're when you're playing in this league th- this season. So, you know, have you all talked about, you know, like building up some momentum here at the start of this portion of the season, you know, with the eight teams making the playoffs and in the, in the ECAC, it's like you got to be playing well. You can't – you don't want to be on the border there. You want to get up into the, the top of the league and, and put yourself in a comfortable, comfortable position to think about home ice for the playoffs. So is that conversation starting now, or is it is it really still that kind of tried and true one game at a time, and if we take care of business, we'll be where we want to be? No, I'd say that conversation is, you know, certainly circulated around the locker room. I think keeping in mind, like, so – we have Dartmouth Harvard this weekend. Next weekend is Colgate Cornell. So these are some really key games for us. Um, I think we're sticking with the mindset, at least for this weekend, of like, let's build the foundation now. So we, you know, come out with two big wins this weekend, hopefully. And then, you know, that's just the momentum we need to go to Cornell and Colgate, hopefully pull out some great games and victories along the way. And I think as we start to generate that momentum, it's only going to continue to go up. Yeah, this team's proven over the last two seasons that it's played that it's a tough out in the playoffs. And, you know, with the championship run in 2020 and then a pretty pretty remarkable first round, you know, quarterfinal series win at Harvard last year. So it's, you know, this team kind of knows how to position itself, it seems, through February and, and into March. Yeah, and I would say just generally in my past two seasons here, like we're a second half of the year team. Um, you know, we've done well in the first half. Uh, the last my last two seasons, but the second half is really where you felt the connection and the energy start to form among the team that you know created the chemistry that led to to our success, especially that like twenty twenty year. Um. You know, the things just clicked at the right time. Um, and that and was kind of pushing us in the right direction. And it was a similar thing last year. Like we just started to click when it mattered. Um, so I'm very confident that this team is, you know, our fuse is gonna light and we're gonna go. Um, you know, switching gears a little bit here, you know, something else that's in in your bio that, that a lot of our fans probably know about is some international team play and uh, for Team USA. And it's it's World Juniors on the men's side and the U18s on the women's side are going around. So let's talk about the the chirping in the, in the locker room, the space right now is, uh, you know, for the international, it's an international group in your your locker room. Obviously, there's a lot of folks that have played at varying levels of international play. Like, what's the What's the banter like? Was who's uh who's leading the way there? Is, is some of these key uh rivalry games start at the international level as well? <laughs> it's funny the Canadians are so into World Juniors, and not that the Americans aren't, but it is like you can just tell like hockey is like essentially their their country's sport. Um, as <laughs> you know, hockey is popular in the United States but there's so many other sports that are equally as popular uh that people don't like you don't catch the same amount of energy for world juniors they do in Canada um but there's definitely been some chirping the Canadians are always talk a big game so um 
I, I don't always engage in it just because, you know, I did lose to Canada in my own international career. So um, I'm not sure I'm in the place to to talk, but it's always fun to hear what the kids have to say and, you know, give each other a hard time. I mean, just real briefly, I guess, you know, talk about that experience of playing in a, in a world championship at the at that level, um, you know, you know, for U18s, right? Like that's, do you realize that when that's going on, that that's like a big deal? Like, or is it just another tournament, another thing? Like, cause I can only imagine, right? Like, duh, never got that call, but like international hockey Olympics, then on down, like it just always seemed like so far out of reach growing up to be like, to be able to achieve, it must've been like, like a weird dream come true at that such a young age. Yeah. I mean, that's another moment, too, that, like, I still cannot believe that happened. Um, and I'm so incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Um, in the moment, I definitely was aware of how special it was. And I think that just came from, like, all the, like, support staff, the gear, like, everything. Like, it was very much, like, a college hockey type atmosphere and I was in my senior year of high school so I had never experienced that level of intensity in the sport in terms of like prepping for games like taking care of your body after games eating recovery all that um so I think from a hockey standpoint I was like wow this is really different um and then there's just the element of it like we're in Japan which is pretty cool place to be um so it's kind of like yeah I had to just appreciate every moment for what it was uh just because it was a really unique opportunity uh and I look back on it really fondly uh, my parents went over there with me so it's a it was a pretty special memory for the three of us to share your family's shared some special moments in the sport. You've traveled to Japan and back, but um, it does seem like there's no place like home here in New Jersey at Hobie Baker Inc. Yeah. And Kate, we're, we're excited for you and your teammates to to have a couple great opportunities and special afternoons at, at Baker Inc. this weekend with Hobie 100 and throughout the rest of the season. So good luck this weekend and, and down the way. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chaz. Uh, it was great to talk to you on your podcast. All right. Go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. It'll be a fun weekend at Baker Rink. It starts on Friday on January 6th, 3 p.m. when Kate and her teammates take on Dartmouth at Baker Rink. And three more games will follow after that. A a busy weekend. And we look forward to having all of our Princeton fans join us at Baker Rink for Hobie 100.